Welcome to the official unofficial podcast dedicated to Eastern Washington athletics. This is the Eagles Power Hour, an affiliate member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. Introducing your hosts, standing at a staggering 5 foot 10 inches tall. He's not a myth. He's not a legend. He's just that idiot who thinks it's a great idea to paint his chest in 10 degree weather for an Eastern Washington football game. Now, based out of Houston, Texas, Kyler Neal. The other host is a local firefighter. He saves kittens by day. Talks EWU sports by night. He is six foot two without heels and has a vertical of 32 inches. Based out of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Yours and my favorite Eagles Power Hour host, Rusty Kramer. Without further ado, here it is the greatest podcast in the big sky the Red Turf Repping Eagles Power Hour. news some basketball news so you know rusty and kyler we are we're just ready to talk about it and give you guys some of the updates uh rusty you are wearing probably the ugliest thing i have ever seen in my life um right now because it is thursday night football and i mean the 49ers that's a stupid logo it's a stupid color Uh, it's not even the right red eastern red is way better um what is that gold crap too what 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 are you wearing man feels good to be a winner. I'll tell you that right now. You know, uh, oh. here's the thing. It, 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 it is Thursday night football. Uh, I felt like I just needed to feel a little bit, you know, extra good about myself. So I decided to put on this uh, 49er sweatshirt. And right here next to me, I have a, a autograph from Steve Young, who wrote yours truly when I was in the third grade. So let's put some respects behind the 49ers name. Yeah, and then right next to me, I have my Super Bowl um you know, Green Bay thing signed by the whole team the same year I went to Lambeau because I'm awesome. But yeah, I mean, crap, I, I totally forgot you're a Niners fan. I'm a Packers fan. It's Thursday night football. It's Packers versus Niners. Um, so this podcast probably isn't going to be the longest because you and I both <laughs> you and I both want to watch the game over talking to each other. Uh, I'm sure we'll text each other some shit talking if, you know, one of the teams is outperforming the other fairly well, which it's going to happen. You know, you have you only have one good player on the whole 49ers rosters, and that's Kendrick Bourne. Other than that, your whole roster is trash. Uh, you know what? Kendrick Bourne had had a game. Cooper Cup had a game Killed uh, it. this last week. So, But uh, but uh, Kendrick Bourne had a little case of uh, it looked like he had COVID, and now it looks like it was a false positive. So it was kind of a, an interesting week. If we lose, it better – we as in Packers. If the Packers lose, it better be because Kendrick Bourne had like three touchdowns. I'll root for that guy, the rest of the team. Eh, I'll pass. Uh, but, hey, let, let's dive right into the episode, man. Um, do you you have some basketball news, I heard, right? Yeah, I, I do have some basketball news, some stuff that we'll, we'll talk about. Uh, first, I want to give a little shout-out to Coach TJ Lippold. Uh, he's officially being named an assistant at EWU. I mean, this is long overdue. It, it's, to me, this is it's, it's a big move for Eastern. I mean, he's an absolutely, you know uh, – uh, a huge part of the, the foundation of that school and the basketball team, just looking at the coaching staff and to able to bring uh, that member, you know, and make him a part of the team, man, it, it, it speaks volumes on defense. We play tough and on uh, offense, we play hoops like TJ likes to say, and uh, we're going to have him on the podcast here very, very soon. He, he's a bright individual. He has awesome, uh, it, the way he looks at the game, the way he breaks it down is just phenomenal. So I'm looking forward to having coach uh, Lippold on the podcast here soon enough. And, 
So get in transitioning, talking to more, uh, uh, more so about the men's basketball team and Lindy, Lindy's magazine came out and they had a little ranking, uh, of their own. And I just kind of want to talk about that today. And on November 22nd, I'll be releasing my, uh, oh, everybody should be standing by for this, but on November 22nd, I'll be releasing my, uh, rankings of the big sky basketball teams, uh, the men's and the women's. So, uh, keep a lookout for that. But looking at Lindy's magazine ranking, they had Eastern at number one, Montana, number two, North Colorado, Northern Colorado, number three, Montana state at four. Weaver State at five, six Portland State, seven Southern Utah, Northern Arizona, eight Sac State, Idaho State, and Idaho to kind of close it out. And to me, I mean, the, it, the biggest, the top two teams are obviously Montana and Eastern. So the, the biggest, you know, point is, you know, who's, who are they going to put at one? And I think, you know, uh, that Eastern is going into the season, the top team, they are the team to beat just with what they lost and what they're bringing back and just the way that they're, uh, they operate, uh, on the court. I, I just think it's different amongst any other team in the big sky. I mean, looking at Easter, I mean, they're 16 and four in the big sky. They're sixth in the nation in scoring offense. That's 80.9 points per game. Uh, they lost, you know, Mason Peeling, who was the big sky MVP. But I mean, if you listen to this podcast long enough, you'll know, my take on this it's yeah i mean that is a huge loss uh but with the way that coach leggings and company coaches uh that team it, they don't run your your typical set plays they don't run you know uh they they just play hoops man on the offense they utilize their individual strengths like jacob davison kim aiken jr tanner groves and that's how they're so effective on the court and it, it really gives the teams you know a lot of problems and uh i think you know Jacob Davis and Kim Aiken Jr. are really going to be your player of the year candidates going into this season. Uh, and here's a name that I've heard uh, from multiple individuals. Uh, a couple of sources told me that he, this is going to be a guy who's who's going to do some amazing things this uh, season. And that's Steel Venters, who was a, a redshirt last year. He's a 6'7 guard slash forward. Uh, he's going to be a guy to look out for on Eastern squad, but some known individuals that we're well aware of and we're looking for an on-course uh, season of them. And that's, you know, Tanner Groves, who had to face Mason Peeling day in and day out throughout the season, who played some big-time minutes. He's going to fill that void of Mason Peeling. I'm not saying he's he's a Mason Peeling by any means, but he's a Tanner Groves, man. The dude is a beast, and it, he just had another year of growth. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what he's going to be able to do with more minutes underneath his belt. And obviously looking at the guard play, this is what's going to give a lot of teams problems. And I'm not even being like a homer about it. I, I mean, it might sound like I am, but if the team wasn't looking good, I have no problem saying it. But you're looking at the guards, uh, Kassan Rose, Rouse, excuse me, Ellis Magnuson, Michael Meadows. Man, these indiv three individuals towards the end of the season, I mean, Coach Leggings was able to plug and play these three individuals in throughout the season. And uh, they were very effective in just to change up the pace of the floor or continue to you know push the pace of the floor. I mean, that's going to give a lot of teams problems. And, you know, looking at Montana, I mean, they're 14 and 6 in Big Sky play. They did lose Saeed Pridget, which is a big loss. But they got some interesting transfers, such as Cameron uh, Satter-White from Northern Arizona, Michael Sedman from San Jose State, which 
this offseason, I've heard a lot of uh, activity. I heard a lot of things about this individual. Uh, I mean, he's a, he's a baller, so it'll be interesting to see how he fits into Montana. I'm sure uh, with that coaching staff, he'll fit in just fine. He averaged 13.2 points per the game uh, again in San Jose State. Uh, Derek Carter Hollinger, who was a big sky freshman of the year, I mean, the dude was a beast. He's going to be a beast again this year. There's no doubt about it. Montana's going to, they're a, a solid basketball team last season. Obviously, I mean, they're going to be a solid basketball uh, team again this year. To me, it's just going to be, you know, who's going to be able to be more consistent throughout the season, especially with the way that that the season's going to take place, which we talked about last season, having those back-to-back games against the teams. And I really do believe it's going to come down to, you know, the preparation of the teams, uh, the way the teams are being coached. And to me, this is a real uh, high point on Easter Washington. They're coached very well. The coaching staff just came on the podcast, talked about how they break down film, how they prepare for next games. So that really gave us a good look behind the scenes uh, of, you know, how they prepare throughout the season. And, you know, going into this season, I think this is only going to help them that much more. And speaking of the coaching staff, and we, we've heard from the women's co- uh, basketball team that we are going to be able to have them on uh, for a kind of a coach's corner throughout the season. So that'll be very exciting. We're sh- I'm still waiting to hear back from the men's side, but, uh, you know, it, that'll be something to look forward to throughout the season. Uh, look at Northern Colorado. They lost Jonah Rodabaugh, who's – uh, an absolute stud uh, playing at the big sky level, but they're returning Bodie Hume, who is averaging about 14 points per game. And Montana state to me uh, is a team to look out for. Uh, they have Xavier Bishop filling in the spot uh, for one of their guards that they just lost this past season coming from trans. He's a transfer from Kansas city. He was averaging 15.4 points per game. They have Jabril Bello coming back. Who was averaging 13 points per game. And to me, you have like a couple of different tiers in the big sky. You have the top tier, the S tier, tier one, however you want to label it. That's Eastern and Montana. Uh, after that, you have kind of almost a different tier after that. Eastern and Montana are by far the best teams in the big sky. But we've seen uh, throughout the season last year of how close so many games were. I mean, uh, there's no gimmies in the big sky without a doubt. We've seen that playing against Idaho State. We've seen that playing against Idaho. And speaking of Idaho, I mean, uh, they're going to have another tough season ahead of them. They lost Trayvon Allen. I mean, if you watch Idaho the way they played, I mean, a lot of his shots, a lot of his, you know, points that he scored was from him creating those opportunities. And uh, so removing a player like that and not having somebody to fill that void, I mean, they're going to have a, a pretty rough season. And some other teams I just kind of want to highlight real quick. Uh, Weber State, they have, I believe, like nine transfers coming in. Damn. And they, they, yeah, they were fighting injuries last season. Uh, I mean, I projected them to be one of the you know better teams, uh, like third or fourth in the big sky, but they just uh, they just kind of had a tough season. But to me, whenever you're looking at a, an abundant amount of transfers, if, I mean, Coach Riley said it best, man. Team chemistry is so important. So I'm not a huge believer in team or uh, in transfers right away. I mean, maybe towards the end of the season, um, it, they might be you know a dangerous team, a team to look out for. But it's just kind of a unknown right now. And Southern Utah was another one going into the season last season. I mean, looking at that roster, I was like, wow, that's a really talented roster with Cameron Uliutin, who's no longer there, John Knight the third, who's going to be returning. 
but you know, with the loss of Cameron Uliutin, I mean, that really affects Southern Utah. So it should be pretty interesting uh, to see how the Big Sky plays out. And I mean, just listening to me ramble here, I mean, I think you guys have a good idea who I'm going to put as my two, uh, top three teams. But uh, Lindy's uh, also put out kind of their first team. They had Jacob Davison, uh, Cameron Sh Shelton from Northern Arizona, Bodie Hume from Northern Colorado, Kim Macon Jr. from Eastern, obviously, and then Michael Stedman uh, from Montana. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. To me, the biggest thing going into the season is, you know, uh, preparation, team chemistry, and uh, a lot of you're going to see, you know, co coaches outshine each other uh, that you don't necessarily see uh, in regular seasons. So, so their, their, uh, what, their ranking was Eastern, Montana, Northern Colorado. Um, who was their fourth and fifth team again? Montana State was four, and then Weber State was five. Okay. I mean, overall, it's solid. I do think Weber, even with the transfers, you know, they are still the powerhouse of the big sky. I mean, you can call them ever since, um, you know, the boy from, from Oregon there. Uh, you know, I, why, why, I don't know why I can't remember the best point guard, Damian Lillard. Jesus Christ. There you, um, go. There you go. I was I was about to throw myself out the window right there. Um, ever since J you know, Damian Lillard came, came to Weber, they, they've been an absolute power. Um, they only really had one down season last year. I, I anticipate them being back, even if it is tons of transfers. I don't think transfers in terms of basketball is as detrimental to chemistry as it is, you know, football. I, I think, you know, less players, you can adapt pretty quick compared to if you have tons of transfers starting on a football roster, just because in my opinion, there's slightly more moving pieces. Um, but it, it should affect them at least, like you said, the first half of the season, maybe they'll start turning it on to the end, but overall, I think that's a solid top five. I would probably just, in my opinion, put Weber over Montana state right now, just because of the history. Uh, but Northern Colorado, Montana and Eastern, I mean, they've been the three top teams the last three seasons. And I don't, and I don't anticipate anything to change right there. Overall, I think that top five is pretty solid. Yeah, I, I only have a, a couple adjustments I make, and uh, one would be putting Montana State over Northern, Northern Colorado. And like I said Ooh. already, with with my uh, my feelings on uh, Weaver State and the transfers, I, I do. I mean, just looking at NBA basketball, uh, for example, and with COVID going on, and uh, with the games that they had, with you know, with the fake fan noise, but. Uh, I did get to listen to an audio clip. I did get to watch like a portion of the game where they didn't have the fake fan noise. And Coach Riley uh, tipped this off as well as the amount of communication that takes place throughout, you know, a co collegiate level basketball game, a professional basketball game is mind blowing. And to me, like having that team chemistry is just so important. Uh, again, I think towards the end, mid end of the season, we're really going to see uh, Weaver State playing at their you know highest level that they're going to play at. But uh, that's just my my take on it. So, I I do have a a couple questions, and and this is going to transition into another topic. I don't know if we were even going to talk about this, but you know, I guess we are now. So you know, the schedule came out for basketball. We mm -hmm. are playing teams, you know, two days in a row, basically, mm -hmm. um, same team twice in a row. How does that affect? Because I know when you're playing a team twice, they, they learn you a little bit more. How does that affect when we're playing them that quick and, and they don't even have a week to prep? You know, it's not like we're going to come back in two weeks. We're coming back the next day, or is it two days? I forgot. I look, didn't look at the schedule too far. Um, yeah, it's pretty much two days. So you get there on the – we play them on, like, Northern Colorado. We play on January 21st. Then we play them again January 23rd. Uh, how, how does that affect maybe – playing a team that quick 
that that fast. I yeah, dude. I I think it's huge, man. Honestly, I, I think it. Like I said earlier, I think that's really where you're going to start seeing the difference in, in the coaching of the teams and preparing those individuals. Because it's a lot easier to prepare for a game when you just got your butt kicked. Because you know what that team threw at you. That you know what they're trying to shut down. And now you could kind of counter that and vice versa. I mean, if you just beat a team, well, you have to basically sustain what you just did uh, or make, you know, micro adjustments or whatnot. So I think it's going to be really interesting. I actually like the way that that's laid out because you have the opportunity to start sweeping teams or it could put a little bit more importance on that second game, but you can't sleep on any game at all. I mean, uh, it'll be pretty interesting. What are your thoughts on it? Well, the, the one thing I, I noticed right away is it seems like we're playing a majority of the tough games on the road. Um, you know, good thing is we're going to play at home and away with Montana. We're going to play at home and away with Idaho, and Idaho's not one of the tough teams. But since their proximity is close, we're doing that rivalry. That's going to be fun. We get to play both at home and on the road. But it looks like, you know, we're playing Northern Colorado, who has been a stud of a big sky program for basketball, just basketball, the last couple of years. We're playing them in Greeley. Uh, we're going to play Montana State in Bozeman two times. We're going to play Weber in Ogden two times. So you're looking at what I would say, you know, out of the top five teams, we're playing four and a half games on the road. Uh, or four and a half teams on the road because at least we get Montana at home one time. I think that is going to be huge. Um, and then, you know, playing Flagstaff on the road, that's always tough. Flagstaff is a tough place to play. I think we have a much easier and favorable home schedule than we do away to where I think our home schedule, we should probably even be able to sweep it, uh, which is awesome for Eastern fans. If we do allow fans, you know, the limited fans or whatever is going to be in the arena, we should have amazing games at home to where we should win a high majority, if not all of them. But our road schedule, man, it looks daunting to me. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's my opinion on the schedule. Yeah, I mean, if you just look at last season, too, I mean, I think uh, history is a good indicator of the future. Um, Easter only lost two games on the road within the Big Sky, and they lost only two games at home within the Big Sky. That being said, uh, we saw last year how many games came down to the final shot to within the final possession. I mean, uh, multiple games throughout the Big Sky. There is zero gimmies uh, in Big Sky basketball, and uh, it, it'll be very interesting. I think you're right, man. I think our games on the road are, are going to be tough, but uh, I think Eastern's shown that they're kind of a battle-proven team. They've only lost, you know, Mason Peeling, who is their, you know, uh, I mean, he obviously was the base guy MVP, but they have a lot going for him. So I have one last question kind of regarding the schedule and prep work. So Eastern, like you kind of talked about before, our, our game plan is, you know, these guys just play basketball. Um, their, their game plan is hard to prep against, but if Eastern starts shooting cold, you know, it could be a nightmare day for Eastern because they are a shooting squad. You said they were sixth in the nation in scoring. They were a beast last year. Is it harder on these back-to-back -back games to prep for an Eastern kind of team where you don't know who's going to be taking the shot, um, and everything changes, you know, quarter to quarter, or does Eastern actually hold the advantage to where we should be able to adapt to the other teams quicker than they'll be able to adapt to us playing back-to-back -back that close? Yeah, I um, see that, that that's kind of a tough question because looking at it from the opponents, like if I had to prepare for Eastern, I mean, there's a lot of things that Coach Leggins and company could throw at their opponents. You could have uh, Ellis at the point. You could have 
But shit, man. You could even have Kim Aiken Jr. You could throw him anywhere on the court, right? Him by himself is just a hard individual to prepare for. Kassan Rouse, Michael Meadows. I mean, I could just name multiple names where they could just kind of plug and play. So with the amount of weapons and the diversity of the team, I think it makes it extremely difficult uh, uh, to prepare for Eastern Washington. That being said, though, we've seen in the past where Kim Aiken Jr. would get in the kind of go in a, a shooting cold, you know, and that really affects the team. So, uh, but I mean, there's individuals that are on the bench that are going to get a lot of playing time more than than we've seen in the past seasons. So, okay, yeah, I was just kind of curious on that. I'm like, because we have so many moving pieces, I would assume, in my assumption, you know, it could be very wrong that it's going to be harder to prep for Eastern with only one day in between um, rather than, you know, I, w- I would rather have a full week in between playing Eastern Washington. Let's say you lose that game. You want to study how, how they're passing the ball, how they're moving on the sidelines. One day is just not enough. And the, the speed and tempo we play that that's another thing where I'm, I'm, I love these back-to-back games, but I mean, does our tempo, does it, does it make us more tired? Does it make our opponents more tired? You know, back-to-back, um, it's going to be interesting to see, but overall, I like the schedule. Um, I I'm hoping we still add in some out of conference games because we had we had some huge games that I was super excited about, and I don't know if there's been any updates to that, um, or if it looks like it's just going to be Big Sky. Maybe do you know anything? Well, I I don't, but I want to go back to a key point that you hit on. Looking at Eastern and the way that they play, I mean, they're kind of they're a fast tempo team, right? Uh, it, so I think it's going to really show the grit of Eastern Washington, but it's also going to really show the grit of the other teams because yeah. at the end of the day, they're going to have to play at the same pace to keep up, you know, or they're going to have to slow them down uh, like Portland State would try to do. Uh, but, it, man, it's, I am so excited for December 3rd, which we will face off, have our first game at Big Sky Basketball against Northern Arizona. I'm stoked. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm I'm really excited uh, for the Montana back-to-back because how physical and I don't want to use the word violent, but you know, you got cheerleaders throwing haymakers. You got all these people in the crowd. Um, I'm excited to see what type of game that first one is. If it's physical, like it normally is because our two teams do not like each other. Let's, let's be honest. They do not like each other. Does that, does that mess with your emotions going into the second game right away where you don't even really have time to adjust your, your temperament or your fumes? I'm excited, man. I, I mean, the good thing is we got sports on the way. We got sports on the way. Yeah, I yeah, we sports are coming without a doubt. February 18th, February 20th, when we're facing Montana, that is absolutely your every way. So every player on East Washington's team uh, on that team, every member on that team is circling that date, circling those yeah. two games. That, that's a, a game to look out for. Absolutely. Was there any other basketball things you wanted to touch on? No, uh, I think we can just transition over to bas- or, uh, football. Yeah, so there's some interesting breaking news. I mean, we knew it was coming, but the Big Sky released their football schedules. So it's it's six games, which, you know, they already told us, so we're already prepped for that. I'm not a big fan of six games because that's going to hurt the Big Sky's chances in getting multiple playoff spots when every other conference is playing 8-10, to 10, and then some other teams are playing 12 games. So it, uh, it's going to be interesting – to see how they, you know, how they line up. But what was your thoughts on Eastern Washington's schedule? I'm going to read off the games, who's home and away real quick. And then, you know, we'll get our thoughts. Let me just pull it up. It'll only take two seconds, I think. 
forgot where I put it, actually. There it is. So our first game, February 27th, we play at Portland State. Uh, thoughts on that game? We'll just do, you know, quick one-minute recap on each game, and then we'll go through the schedule. Thoughts on the Portland State game? I, you know, I, I think it's going to be a exciting game. I like having the Portland State game as our uh, our first game going into the you know uh, the spring season, which feels weird to say. Um, I think it'll be a good game to kind of show you know get Eastern ready for the remaining schedule and also you know give them a quality opponent. But uh, uh, you're going to really sh- see who you know Eastern is early on in the season. Yeah, in terms of having a first game, having an away game. I am not mad that on our schedule it's Portland State. You know, they are a rival, let's be honest. They're probably a rivalry that Portland State cares about a little bit more than Eastern Washington. But we don't ever want to lose to Portland, let's be honest. So we're going to go over to Portland. It's an easy drive, um, you know, about five hours. It's not going to be tough. It's probably going to be a little bit warmer. It's going to be wet, though, I would assume. You know, probably some rain. Um, It should be a wet, fun, sloppy game, but... It preps us for our next game, which is at home versus Montana. And I got to say, I'm very happy that they kept Montana at home because they have avoided, not avoided, you know, it wasn't Montana avoiding, but the last time Montana was supposed to come to Eastern Washington, Idaho came in and Montana didn't get to play Eastern Washington. And that was in 2018 when we probably would have beat them by 50, let's be honest. So we get Montana at home. Um, I'm curious if we'll be able to have any type of fans. It is outside. Maybe they allow 25%. But this, this if we can't have fans, I'm still excited we have them at home. But is it really a home field advantage in that terms? Well, what's your thoughts about playing Montana March 6th? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of a – we talked about man t- uh, Montana and the basketball talk, right? That's a, a game that you're circling on your calendar. The same goes for this game. And uh, I, I'm happy that one of our road games with Portland State is that's the road game and having Montana at home. And like you were alluding to, yeah, we don't have fans there, but there's got to be something to play on your home turf that you just practice on. I mean, you're very familiar with. The kickers are very familiar with the conditions that they're going to be dealing with. This offseason or preparing for the spring season, I think is going to be very interesting because I mean, if you live in Cheney, if you if you've ever been there in the winter, you know how miserable it is. So it, it'll be interesting uh, them preparing for the game, and then it'll also be very interesting the conditions on March sixth. Yeah, I mean March sixth is most likely going to be it's it's going to be pretty similar to the end of November, maybe a little bit of playoff football, um, which. You know, playing Montana in the snow, if it does happen, I mean, that's always going to be exciting. And if we can't have fans, I'm sure we can still line up that hill. You know, just just have fans all around our stadium. That is one of the perks about not having an enclosed stadium. You know, you can actually line up on the hill. You can have a couple fans there watching the game, still screaming. There's nothing Eastern could probably do about stopping that from happening. We will see. But so after Montana, then we go um, and we play UC Davis March 13th at UC Davis. It's, I mean, it's going to be great weather. I would assume it'll probably be in the low 60s, you know, mid 60s. Uh, what's your thoughts about playing UC Davis? Is is that a trap game? Is that a game we should lose, win? I don't, I honestly, I don't know how I feel about UC Davis. I really don't. I, I mean, I've thought about this for a while now. And I'm just kind of, when I think of UC Davis, I'm like, ah, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know if to think if they're, you know, a kind of a dark horse team, if, if they're a good team or they're going to be a, a, a crappy team. I don't really know what to think of them. So, I mean, right off the bat, they have Dan Hawkins. Dan Hawkins is a legendary coach um, in terms of an 
someone who is at the FCS level. You know, he's not going to be a legendary coach. You're not going to put him in the, the likes of a Saban or anything like that. But he is a well-known coach who has done exceptionally well. You know, he was, I think he's really one of the, the people that helped turn Boise on to be the power that they've become. You know, Doug Peterson, or not Doug. Is it Doug Peterson? Coach Peterson, whatever. Not No, Doug Peterson is the NFL coach. NFL coach. The old Seahawks, the old Seahawks defensive guy. Uh, but Peterson, you know, he, he's the one who made Boise the power but Hawkins was the one to help build that program for Peterson to elevate it. Uh, but they lost Jake Mayer. Now, what, UC Davis finished fifth or so in a, what, three and five in the Big Sky last year. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, UC Davis probably had the toughest schedule in all of the FCS last year. They played North Dakota State. They played every single top-tier Big Sky team. I, I mean, UC Davis is probably a little bit better than their schedule was. Uh, but without Jake Mayer, it's it's. I want to know who's going to replace them, and I don't have a good idea. I'm not fearful of UC Davis. I think they could be a quality squad. They're probably in the middle tier of you know who do we play on this this schedule. Um, but I feel good about it. Then after that, we have a bye week. So this is an interesting thing about the schedule. There's six games. There's two bye weeks. So we have a bye week at the end of the season, and that will be right before the playoffs. And we have a bye week after you know, week three and every single team in the big sky has the exact same bye weeks. It's, it's a little interesting, but after the bye week, we are going to play our rival, our new rival, old historic rival, whatever you want to say, closest proximity team, Idaho, who, you know, we, we thrash on Idaho a lot, but they beat us last year. We curb stomped them the year before. Those are the type of games that form legit rivalries. Since Idaho is back, they beat us. We beat them. Our, our players, you know, it was media day when Idaho when Idaho was asked, hey, what's a team you don't want to lose to or whatever? You know, they kept saying Eastern Washington. It, it was Montana they were excited to play. Eastern Washington's a team they don't want to lose to. Um, I know Eastern Washington, after getting kind of embarrassed at Idaho last year, they don't want to lose to Idaho. What's your thoughts on getting Idaho at home? See, that's the, that's the question. Is uh, I was trying to think to myself, would I have rather played Idaho in the Dome or played them at home? Uh and I think late March, the weather's going to be, the field conditions should be uh, pretty good for, you know, uh, we're not going to be seeing any snow or shouldn't be seeing any snow that late in March. But uh, I'm excited for the game, man, especially with last season. Uh, I, I Going into this season, man, just looking at Eastern squad, I just, I, don't, I think it's a very favorable matchup uh, with what we're bringing to the field and what they're bringing to the field. Uh, what do you, what's your kind of outlook of that game? Kind of the way too early look at the game. So, honestly, I think Eastern Washington wins. I like all the moving pieces Eastern Washington comes back with over Idaho. But let me say this. Idaho is probably the only Big Sky team in the country who is losing their quarterback and getting instantly better at that position. And Mason Petrino played actually lights out versus last year. He did a phenomenal job. Um, so if we don't fix some of our, you know, secondary, um, you know, that next quarterback, they can do the same thing. They, you Obviously, they learned last year, you don't have to throw 20, 20 yards down the field versus us. There was a big hole in the middle of the field. Uh, you could do a quick five-yard five slant and make some plays out of it. The good news is we get all of our you know linebackers back. Ty Graham's going to be there, too. So I like our odds versus Idaho, but Idaho will probably be improved over you know year over year. And now this is their third year in the big sky. This is them finally playing every team, finally adjusting. 
I think Idaho is going to surprise people and be better than they have been the last couple of years, but I'm not scared to play Idaho. Well, and I, I don't think, uh, so what you see on the field and what you see in the record wise is going to be two different stories, I think as well, because looking at Idaho's schedule, I mean, it's a very favorable schedule for them. They're going against uh, Northern Colorado, Idaho State, Portland State, Eastern, Montana, Southern Utah. To me, like it, it's very possible, very likely that they're only going to have two losses in there. Um, well, depending who you ask, because there's a, there's a conspiracy theory going on right now that Northern Colorado is going to win the Big Sky, which I don't understand that. Uh, it just does not make sense in Rusty's brain. No. So, yeah, guys, if you did not listen or pay attention, we with the Big Sky Podcast Network, we did an online YouTube live. Um, so you can find it at YouTube or you find it on YouTube. I think it was on the Tubs of the Club's actual YouTube page. But you can watch that episode. But we had, you know, myself. Uh, we had Chris Hamill with Tubs of the Clubs. We had AC with we- Weaver Weekly. We had um, Mike with the Grizz Fan Podcast. And then we had, you know, we had Aaron Rath with Northern Colorado, who Northern Colorado has been a dumpster fire since they have joined the Big Sky. They've only had two winning seasons, but those were not conference winning seasons. Um, I think maybe one of them was four and four. The other, I think, was still a losing season, if I'm right. Uh, but I, yeah, the the word on the street from Aaron Rath is Northern Colorado's gonna pretty much go undefeated and win the Big Sky. And I, um, all of us kind of chuckled. We don't believe it. Northern Colorado has been a, a bottom feeder. And just because you got Ed McCaffrey, who is what coached one year in high school, that makes you into an immediate championship caliber team on his first year coaching. I don't buy it. Now he, he did hint. He did hint that Dylan McCaffrey is going to transfer to Northern Colorado. And if that's the case, maybe they win a couple more games. He, I mean, he's a, he's a true power five, probably talent, but I, I don't think that, pushes Northern Colorado into the realm of just because you have one decent quarterback, you can beat everyone else. Cause that's, I, I, I'm not buying it. Northern Colorado's had decent quarterbacks this whole decade and they haven't done it. I, I will say this. The, the only thing that I like about it, if there's buzz going on about another Northern Colorado, I think that's great. I think that's good yeah. for the big sky. Uh, anytime that the, you know, more people are paying attention, there's more uh, individuals having a conversation that's talking about big sky football. It is a win for everybody. That being said, uh, this take is a little bit too crazy for me to bite on. I've heard hot takes. I've heard, you know, all the types of takes. This is a habanero take, you know, or, or a ghost pepper take. It made absolutely no sense. But hey, if I'm wrong, good for good for Northern Colorado. You know, I don't hate that program. I actually have a towel next to me. Look at this, Rusty. I'm going to show you. I got a Northern Colorado bear cell. Can you see that shit? That is, yeah. I don't know what you're dealing with that, but yeah, you got one. I did not I did not buy it, but I got it sent to me, and I was like, you know what? I like Justin Gaethje. I'm okay with that. Um, but so let, let's keep going down the schedule. We, we talked a little bit about Northern Colorado. So after Idaho, we go to Montana State and play the Bobcats, who, you know, they were the second best team in the conference last year. Uh, playing in Bozeman is not going to be easy. April 3rd, at least. Is it April 3rd? I think it's, it's right around that. I April think I 3rd, that. yep. Yeah, so, I mean, it'll still probably be a little chilly, but it'll be nothing awful. It'll still be a little wintry, maybe a little springy. You know, that that's the type of weather where we don't know what's going to be happening. That's that's when you're getting into those months. It could be 70 degrees. It could be 20. You know, April's weird. 
what what's your thoughts on playing the Bobcats? Because I know you, we both watched their scrimmage game. You are obsessed with their quarterback. Um, you know, you think he is the next. Okay. I don't All right. Even let's know. let's go and pump the brakes a little bit. Let's just go and pump the brakes on this little train right here. I'm not obsessed. I just think he's a very talented individual. I think there's a lot of people overlooking him. Uh, I'll be happy to eat my words if I'm wrong, but I do not think I'm wrong. That being said, April 3rd, Coach Best, coaching staff, Eric Beria, anyone's listening to this podcast, because I know everybody is with the thousands and millions of people that listen to this podcast. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Rusty's birthday is April 2nd. All I want for my birthday is a W against Montana State University. That is it. That's all I'm asking for. Coach Best, make it happen. See it through. Yeah, I, I think stylistically and, you know, Montana fans and probably a lot of Big Sky fans are going to just say I'm crazy. But I think stylistically we just match up well with Montana State. And we have for the last 20 years. You know, there's been a couple close games, but more often than not, and, and at a very high number, we are beating Montana State, even when they're good. Now, they haven't been this good. Um, you know, early in the decade they were really good, but so was Eastern. Some of those games were washes because we were barely winning. Montana State did beat us one year too. Um but Montana's been improving, or Montana State's been improving. I think Eastern Washington will be a lot better this next year across the board than we were um, this year. But I, I, I'm going to chalk that up as a win. I think it's a win, especially because when you look at Montana State's schedule, um, you know they play Montana, they play Eastern, they play Weber. They arguably have the strongest schedule, at least when you're looking at top-tier teams that they're playing. They they. And some of them are back-to-back, which is going to be tough for Montana State's prep. Yeah, I I, are, I think this is going to be the toughest game of the season for us. Uh, I do agree with you that the, we do match up well with Montana State. I think Montana State's just a really good, solid football team. That being said, I do think Eastern is a really good football team as well. Uh, I think you're going to see improvements on the defensive side of the ball, which we've talked about in previous podcasts. Our secondary improved. I mean, we've improved pretty much on every level on the defensive side of the ball. The only area that's kind of a question mark is, is the offensive line. And we've talked about that with, you know, Eric Berrier's style and how he could possibly, you know, overcome those type of issues. But uh, to me, this is going to be the toughest game of the season. I I do agree. I think we do match up well. It is in Montana State, uh, but who knows what that's going to be like with no fans. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yep. um, I like that game. Um, And then the very last game is is probably the one – you know, I, I don't even want to say I'm excited for, but this is actually probably the game I am most excited for. And it's literally just because we're playing, you know, Cal Poly at home. And I believe it's homecoming game, or at least that's the rumor. So it's Bo Baldwin coming back to Cheney to face his former team last game of the season. You know, this has a lot of storyline appeal. This will probably be the root sports game of the week uh, because Montana and Montana State play during, you know, the same week we play our rivals. That seems to be rivalry week. So I think this will be, you know, the the game of the week for sure. I I love this game, and I'm glad we're playing Cal Poly. Do I fear them? No. Do I think Bo Baldwin is going to be able to turn this program into a nightmare year, year one? No. But looking at some of their recruits, man, the next couple years, I think Bo Baldwin is, is going to do a phenomenal job at Cal Poly. There's some kids he signed that are turning down P5 offers. They're turning down tons of G5 offers. Um, and their recruiting class right now, you know, we don't have – all of our, you know, signees, they don't have all theirs. But in terms of D Division One programs, their recruiting class is 134. Ours is 133. So some people are saying that 
he's not going to be able to recruit very well because of the academics at Cal Poly, or he's not going to be able to go after the same type of athletes. Obviously, that's kind of getting thrown at their face. Now, will they develop? I, I believe they will. I mean, he's he's kind of developed all of our top-tier NFL talent. So I, I if you're going to bet on me, is Bo Baldwin going to develop his team? I think so. Um, he's recruiting well already. But Lucky is at home. It's his first year. They're completely changing the offense from triple option to, you know, most likely an air raid. I just love the game, though. I'm, I'm so glad our first game versus Cal Poly and versus Bo Baldwin's at home. Yeah, uh, that's to kind of close out the season for the regular season uh, for Eastern. Putting Cal Poly on there, it is going to be a, a pretty exciting game with everything that you know that it brings. But that being said, we've talked about uh, in previous podcasts, like the season getting pushed back to spring. This helps teams like Cal Poly, who is basically changing the way that their you know their philosophy of football. Uh, Montana, Idaho, Montana State, who are looking for that you know, solidified starting quarterback this time of, you know, uh, practice additional practices and are just time to, you know, get team chemistry more, uh, to improve that. Like that's going to help those teams. So uh, I do think it's going to be a win. And you said that this was your kind of most, the biggest game that you're, you know, I guess you're most excited for. And, uh, to me, cause I was going to ask you that question. It's going to be the Montana State game. Like, looking at the season, this is the game that I'm most excited for. Uh, I do think that the Big Sky did an awesome job with scheduling. I'm really excited about this. These six games that we have lined up, I, I really I think it's it's a good layout for the season, man. We're really going to know who Eastern Washington you know, football team is by the end of the season. Yeah, so we'll only spend a couple more minutes on this, and then we'll sign off and watch our NFL game. So, you know, I can talk smack to you when the Packers beat you guys by 40. But um, looking at some of the schedules, there was not balance across some of the schedules. So Weber State, arguably, you know, they're three-time Big Sky champion. They are expected to be the best team coming back. They return a lot of people. They lost their quarterback, but that's probably not a bad thing. They're kind of in the Idaho thing where maybe losing your quarterback is the better situation. They were a semifinal team. They only play Montana State in terms of a good team, and then they play five of the bottom teams in the conference. I mean, they play Northern Colorado. They play Idaho State. They play Southern Utah. You know, they do not have a tough road. If if you are going to say who who's the best, who has the best chance to win the Big Sky, I'm gonna, looking at the schedule alone, Weber should go 6-0. And if they go 5-1, they probably don't deserve one of the at-large bids. Their strength of schedule would be absolute shit, and I don't think they would deserve one of the bids. And then you look at teams like Montana State. They play Eastern. They play Montana. They play Weber. They arguably have the toughest schedule. And then Eastern Washington, I would say they have the second toughest schedule, but I still like our matchups. Uh, what's your overall thoughts on how we do, how does some of the other teams do, and then you know predict your conference champion? Yeah, uh, I think the conference champion, I mean, you were alluding to it. I think it's going to be Weber State. I mean, they have a very favorable matchup. They face Montana State in week two. Uh, and besides that, I mean, they're really faced, like you said, the bottom feeders of the big sky. Uh, that's just the reality of it. Um, I would be shocked if anything else happened. Uh, looking at Eastern, I only, I think they're going to drop one game i think it's going to be either montana state or montana as the season gets closer uh and as we learn more and see more things it will be more you know apparent of 
possibly what's going to happen. But if I was going to take a guess, I think our Eastern's only going to drop one of the game, and that's going to be the Montana or Montana State. Yeah, I think uh, worst case scenario, we probably go four and two, um, which Chris Hammond from Tubbs at the Club said Eastern Washington worst case scenario is one and five because he thinks our schedule is so brutal. Um, best case scenario, I do think we can go six and zero. Oh. Looking at our schedule. I do think we can go 6-0. We play Montana at home. We play Idaho at home. And I do think stylistically we match up well with Montana State. Those aren't gimme games. They're not for sure wins. But I think we have a, a possibility to go 6-0. and And then that leads me to my final question before we sign off. There's um, – the playoffs are only 16 teams. Okay. So there's 16 teams. Most conferences are playing 8-10 to 10 games. The, the MIAC is actually going to participate in the playoffs, so that took one of the at-larges away. So now we have five at-larges. Big Sky's playing six games. Everyone else is playing eight, maybe ten games. Some teams are playing 11, like Jacksonville State. What are the odds of a 5-1 and one Big Sky team making the playoffs now? You could arguably say a Big Sky team that is and 5-1 could be ranked the top seven in the nation. But with only having five wins... Do, do they get a playoff bid over, let's say, Jacksonville State, who they lose OVC to SEMO. That's their only game on the season. They have an FBS win. They went 3-1 and one in the out-of-conference this fall, which does transfer to the spring season. It does carry over. So they have an FBS win. They lost to Florida State, and then they lost to the OVC champs in this scenario. Does a 5-1 and one Eastern Washington, who, let's say, loses to Montana, but beats Montana State, we're second place in the division. Do we get in the playoffs over a Jacksonville State who is ten or nine and two with an FBS win? Yeah, that that's that's the tough question, right? Uh, I think there's a very there's many variables in that though. Like, uh, is the Big Sky going to beat the hell out of each other, right? Where you have uh, Weber who's undefeated, and you have Easter who lost one game, but the rest of the Big Sky just beat the crap out of each other. I, you know, and what are the other teams that are have potential, you know, at large bids? Like, what what are their records? I mean, having six games in the season does not help Eastern Washington. It does not help any teams in the Big Sky. So I would lean more towards we're. It's very possible we can only see one team coming out of the Big Sky. Yeah, I think we'll see one, you know, for sure because of the champs will automatically get in. And then out of the five at-larges, I think the Big Sky has a shot. I'd say a fairly decent shot to get one of the at-larges just because our conference, our history, you look at the playoff record, it's really been the Missouri Valley, the CAA, right. Big Sky, and then Sam Houston. Those right. are the only teams that have done anything remotely worth a damn in the playoffs besides one season with Jacksonville State. Other than that, they've lost more games than they've won. So those are, when you're looking at a playoff committee, do you take historic record because this is such a weird season? Do you do you take the teams you know are going to play well? Or do you take it off of resume, which there's no out-of-conference games for a lot of teams, so you can't really judge which conference is better than the other this next year. It's, it's going to be interesting to see who grabs those last you know five, and I'm sure during the football season we'll, we'll talk more in depth about that. Yeah, I agree. And that being said, uh, there's football on right now that you and I both want to watch. And uh, Green Bay is currently up 7-0 and they have the ball in the first. So I think it is time for us to to sign off. Let's sign off. Give your quick goodbye and then uh, we will go watch some football. All right. Hey, everybody out there listening. Thanks again for listening to Eagles Power Hour uh, with your host, Kyler Neal and Yours truly, Rusty Kramer. You can find us on Twitter. Uh, you could also find us on any 
podcasting platform that you listen to. Uh, if you are listening to a service that has a you know a rating system or whatnot, please leave us a rate and then can also leave us a comment. We do read them. We do check them out. So with that being said, go Eagles. Go Eagles. Boom. <laughs>